Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor as we talk to you about college football, college basketball, MLB trade deadlines, the NBA free agency, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly journals have Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 137. Sticking with our theme of going over NCAA rule changes for this year, that's going to be our fun fact for this episode again. This one's kind of fun. Uh, it's it's a it's a change that I think is unnecessary because I think this class is already technically included in being uh, under the purview of the NCAA rules. But this explicitly states that lighting systems are now included with the bands, cheerleaders, mascots, PA, and other AV systems as being subject to the rules. Uh, I would think lighting systems will fall into the purview of AV personnel or, or AV equipment, uh, but whatever. So this basically means they're not allowed to do anything to distract the opponent, like flash LED lights on the screen or be like Oklahoma State last year and put yellow lines vertically behind the goalpost as Texas is trying to kick. Um, technically, that was legal, I guess, last year, but not really. I feel like that's an un- unsportsmanlike. like, I don't know. So does that mean does that mean Minnesota can no longer put up that gopher looking the wrong direction with the weird look on his face gif while opponents are putting field kicking field goals? I mean, it's distracting the opponent intentionally. I would argue that the solid yellow lines. Oh yes, for sure. Right, but I don't know. Having the little gopher guy back there, who cares? Is that really distracting you if you're the kicker? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, that's the rule change. Just gonna air on the side of caution and not do it. I vision. When anyway. you get the 15-yard penalty, you're gonna have to go sit at Matt Campbell's desk on Monday morning and explain to him why his team just lost because you decided to put a gopher up on the scoreboard. I'm not gonna do it, but if I were talking to the the lighting guy, I would have him do it. That's what I'm saying. Personally, I wouldn't do it because that's unfair and. You know, I, I'm all about fairness, and I would never do something like that to distract an opponent. But the other guy running it like, I ah, do it. As long as you're not the one who gets in trouble. Boom. You're scared of the consequences. The consequences. Something that Texas and OU are not scared of for leaving the Big 12. That's correct. It is now official. Um, Texas and OU officially accepted invitations from the SEC to join the conference. Um, in 2025. So um, it may be sooner than that, but it will not be later. Latest at 2025, um, Texas and OU will be in the SEC. There's pretty much no uh, no going back, no avoiding that now. Um, it may be sooner. I think personally it's going to be sooner than that. I don't think anybody actually thinks they're going to play in this conference for four years after all of this. Like, can you imagine how much they're going to get booed over four years if they're still here? I mean, take this. Like, it's not going to – people don't have short-term memory loss in the Big 12. Every single year they're going to just get absolutely, like, I don't know. It's going to be probably one of the worst hazing experiences ever for them as they run onto the field every single game. And, I mean, think about it. They're not going to get to go to every single away football stadium this year. Like, OU, if y'all want to stick around for another season, just wait for your warm embrace in Ames when you come to Jack Trice uh, next season. So, yeah, 
believe the Texas game is at home this year, Kyle. It is. OU is what I'm oh. is what I said. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah, that's gonna be fun. I mean, it's just like the Astros, right? They got off in 2020 because there were no fans, but the fans certainly didn't let them off the hook in 2021. I remember seeing once that somebody literally threw a trash can onto the, the field where the Astros were on defense. Like, don't do that, but that's hilarious. Like, that, there aren't generally very many good reasons to get arrested, but that might be one of them. Actually, it's not. Don't do that. But it is pretty funny. It's going to be the same thing with OU and Texas. People aren't going to forget this in the Big 12 country, and they're not going to be very happy about it. They're not going to, especially at places like Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, these schools are not going to get warm welcomes um, this upcoming year. Um, as we continue to figure out what this means for the Big 12 uh, and the remaining teams, there's a lot going on. Um, the biggest news, I think, was that the Big 12 basically got in a shouting match with ESPN over the week. The Big 12 published a cease and desist order to ESPN Um claiming that they had evidence that ESPN was trying to convince another conference to go recruit more big 12 teams. Um, and ESPN said, basically said, prove it um, in their response. And nothing more has come out from that. And we're not going to hear anything more unless the big 12 actually files a lawsuit um, because then it's all public records once the lawsuits filed. But until then we've probably heard the last of it. And I think they're just going to talk about it behind closed doors because it's a bad look for both of them to have this uh, keep going on. But basically the reason ESPN wants that to happen is because multiple reasons. One, they want Texas and OU in the, in the SEC sooner. Texas and OU don't want to leave sooner because they don't want to pay the ridiculous money we talked about on last week's episode. Plus, if the, and so if the conference dissolves, Texas and OU don't have to pay that money. They go to the SEC sooner. ESPN gets more money. Plus, also, if the Big 12 dissolves before the end of the current media deal, ESPN doesn't have to pay that amount of the media deal. So it saves the money there. And thirdly, Fox also has a nice contract with the Big 12, uh, not with the SEC. So having the Big 12 dissolve sooner hurts Fox a lot more than it hurts ESPN. So they're also going after Fox in that instance. So basically, there's... Generally, I don't believe people when they are in a bad situation and they go blame somebody else without publishing evidence. But this time, I actually sort of believe the Big 12 in this case. Like, it seems like it makes logical sense for ESPN to want to do what the Big 12 is claiming they're doing. So, yeah. Um, and rumors are that that conference that, the big, that ESPN is reaching out to is the American they want the American to absorb anywhere from three to all eight of the remaining Big 12 teams. Um, I'm not a fan of that. I don't want to end up in the American unless in the NCAA bylaws, the American gets promoted to Power 5 conference as the result of this, which I guess then it wouldn't be the end of the world because you keep that autonomy that we talked about last week. Um, but no, I'm not a huge fan of going to the American, even if they get promoted. I'm I'm not a huge fan of seeing Memphis on my schedule every year. Hashtag free Tom. Or UCF on your schedule every year either. I mean, well, we might like going down to Central Florida occasionally, but that's a long trip too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, West Virginia ain't short either. No. Well, and 
And the other, I mean, the other thing to note is, like Mike said, the only reason that maybe it would be okay to go to the American is somehow if they get some big TV deal, but also are, I, I don't know. I don't think there's any, is there anything written about power five conferences? Like who are the power five, but they just gain that status, right? Because if Iowa state goes to the American currently, it's a non power five conference, right? So yeah. there's only, I mean, you're not guaranteed a spot in anything basically, except for your, the, a couple bowl games, right? And that's it. You're not guaranteed. Well, I guess no one's guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff, but when you look at it, look in depth of who's made the college football playoff, none of those group of five school or teams or conferences have really have made the college football playoff yet, which is a huge downgrade, especially looking at teams like Oklahoma State and Iowa State who are good at football, who are going to be buying for some of those spots in the college football playoff eventually too. In that case, a move to the Pac-12 makes more sense because they do have that status, but I don't know which of the two I prefer, honestly. Yeah, um, the Big 12 and Pac-12 have been talking about a scheduling alliance or merger, or I don't really know what the difference between a scheduling alliance. What is a scheduling alliance? Can anybody fill me in on that? I'm assuming it's just they're they're going to play more games between Big 12 and Pac-12 opponents, right? That's what I got out of it, which makes sense for the Pac-12 to get some more TV time in a, a better time zone, East Coast viewers, right? And and maybe it helps both conferences um, with their quote-unquote strength of schedule for the end of the year when, you know, the college football playoff selection committee is being unbiasedly choosing two SEC schools to join the college football playoff every single year. Yeah, so, As an Iowa State fan, you can't complain about the bias of the college football playoff committee with how nice they would us this last year, okay? That, yeah, okay. That's, that's true. Okay. I don't have comment there, but a Big 12 and Pac-12 merger would be disgusting, and I despise that as the worst option that I've seen thus far at the table for the fate of the Big 12. However, you, you think a- that's worse than joining the American uh, without like a Power 5 status? Because I think if the Big 12 dissolves, right, what's that next Power 5 going to be? Are we going to go to a Power 4 designation? Because I think if we go to the American and teams show up too, I, I could see that being the next Power 5. It's a weak Power 5, but the Big 12 is a weak Power 5 as is. Yeah, I, I think a Big 12, Pac-12 merger would be worse than joining. Yeah, I want to go to the Big Ten. I want the Big Ten. I'm all in for the Big Ten. That is, I think that is all three of our preference right now, for sure. If we have to, that would be my preference. Because then think about how many freaking trophies we get to steal from teams this year. Or not this year, next year, maybe. It would be great. The Big Ten has traveling trophies. Yeah. yeah. Traveling trophies. I want traveling trophies. We need them in the Big 12. I've been on that bandwagon for years. Did we have a traveling trophy with Nebraska before they up and left? No, and- we had one with Missouri. That's, yeah. That's a, that's a telephone, isn't it? We got to get back. Well, we got to play them somehow. You can create traveling trophies. I mean, Minnesota and Nebraska created one. It's still sort of unofficial. It's a broken lawn chair. <laughs> no, still exists. It doesn't have quite the, uh, the history and tradition of the little brown jug or Paul Bunyan's axe. But, you know, still a traveling trophy. Yeah, more traveling trophies. They're fun. So we'll keep you, of course, informed on how all of that goes. 
as we continue on the 8311 cast. But for now, the other big thing that was happening in the world of sports um, this week was apparently some cycling basketball stuff that you want to talk about that you slipped into the outline while I wasn't well, Yeah, I mean, I just slid it in there because, you know, while we're down on the Big 12, we got we to gotta have some positives. Obviously, Iowa State football is going to be very good this year. We all think, we all hope, we all expect almost. Uh, but maybe some Cyclone basketball uh, is trending up. I mean, while the sports world is imploding, uh, TJ has been quietly lining up a very, very solid uh, recruiting class for the 2022 um, basketball season. Uh, it, it could even be one of the like top five recruiting classes in Iowa State program history. Um, which is very good for only his second year uh, total. And it really is first year going after the recruits he wants to. Uh, currently, it ranks first in the Big 12 and eighth nationally as well. Um, and just another Cyclone Sports, uh, a little tidbit, Iowa State football is currently top 25 in the nation in recruiting in 2022 as well. So good things going on in both programs. As as we talk about the new players that are coming into uh, the Cyclones in the future, Mike, do you want to fill us in on what turned out to be one of the craziest Major League Baseball trade deadlines and some of the some of the big things that happened this year? Yeah, this was definitely one of the um, wildest trade deadlines in baseball history. We had ten All Stars get traded um, just before the trade deadline. Um, I'm going to highlight all the big deals. Not necessarily all of these were all-stars, but I'm going to highlight the big deals. Of course, you knew about Nelson Cruz to the Rays, like we talked about before. Other big deals that happened at the deadline, the Dodgers traded for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. So they got an ace, another ace pitcher and a shortstop at the same time. Um, the Blue Jays got Jose Burrios for the Twins, giving up two top 50 prospects in baseball for Jose Burrios. Um, Barrios has one more year of control after this season, correct? Yeah, she'll be a free agent after 2022. Um, the Cubs sold everybody, trading um, Bryant to the Giants, Baez to the Mets, um, Kimbrell to the White Sox, and Rizzo to the Yankees. The Yankees also got a second bat by acquiring Gallo from the Rangers. The Rangers also dealt Gibson to the Phillies. Um, the Brewers got Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. The Padres got Frazier from the Pirates. Schwarber went from Washington to the Red Sox. I mean, there were tons of more minor moves, too. I mean, just for the Twins, they traded away J.A. Happ and um, Hansel Robles at the deadline as well. There were just deals all over the place. Big names, too, that you've heard of, and teams willing to part with prospects to go for it, which has been a departure from previous years where teams were not willing to part with prospects as much as they were this year. So that that's definitely an interesting development. Um, I'm wondering if on GM's mind, the potential of a strike slash lockout shortening or canceling this next baseball season had any impact on trade deadline moves, right? Were teams more willing to part with prospects because if there's no baseball next year, they're going to miss another year of playing all the prospects are and that hurts development with teams like the twins more likely to move on 
or trade Jose Barrios because they're not going to have a full year next year because of a strike, right? So that lowers his value to the Twins. Just just things, factors that we don't know how they were affecting, but I just think it had something to do with the reason why this trade line in particular was so strange. Yeah, I it was it was definitely a crazy trade deadline for sure. Lots of movement, lots of rumors of people going places. I thought one of the biggest surprises, I wasn't sure that the Twins were actually going to part with Barrios, but they got a pretty, I'd say they got a pretty good return. I mean, well, we don't know that for sure yet because they're just prospects. But one thing that maybe our listeners might know that might not know this, Mike, so in a lot of other sports, you see draft picks traded for players and obviously not as many prospects why doesn't the mlb trade draft picks and they just trade prospects it is actually against major league rules to trade most draft picks it is currently against major league rules you can trade compensatory picks um, and competitive balance picks i believe but not regular draft picks. So because the number of picks that can get traded is so limited by rule, it just doesn't happen. So, I mean, the Twins did trade a draft pick recently to San Diego a couple of years ago in the Phil Hughes trade, um, but it just doesn't happen very often because it's such a limited. And they don't, have the abil- they don't have the potential to affect your roster as immediately as like in the NFL or NBA. So you, ju- you just don't see it. So, Yeah. And that's and another thing that you might see in some of these trades is players to be named later. We have talked about that before, but in case you don't know how that works, teams don't just get to randomly pick what players they want out of a out of an organization system. They get a list that they kind of agree upon before the trade uh, goes through, and then they get to pick or are offered up one of those players from that list at a later date. Um, is another way that some of those trades happen as well. So the deals go through and some people get a player to be named later, which happened with the Royals. Uh, when they traded Danny Duffy away to the Dodgers, they got a player to be named. So that's the MLB. Uh, Mike, the playoff race is starting to come into focus, right? Who do we, yeah. who do we have leading the leagues right now and what does it look like? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much – the trade deadline definitely um, uh, splits out who's going for it and who isn't. Um, basically, in the AL East, Tampa, Boston, and New York, and Toronto are all going for it. Um, they were all buyers at the deadline. Tampa Bay is leading that division with Boston only a game behind. The Yankees and Blue Jays are a little bit further behind. Um, but everybody in the AL East is going for it right now. Um, Chicago, the White Sox, and the Central are obviously going for it. They've got a huge lead um, in the Central, so they're going for it. Cleveland, a little bit of mixed messaging. They traded for some players. They traded away some players. Basically, they were the Indians um, at the trade deadline. That's what they do in Cleveland. Um, so they're going to hang around, but they didn't go all in by any means. Houston, Oakland um, are going to stay competitive. And then Seattle um, made a weird set of moves, trading away players. Again, just like Cleveland, they traded away some players, but they brought in some players. It was very, very uh, weird situation there. So Yeah, they, they traded away their closer and then went out and got Tampa Bay's closer, which I thought was a little strange, both for the Seattle, for the Mariners and for the 
Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a weird situation. Tampa, Cleveland, and Seattle really tend to just be on both sides of every trade deadline. And it's really, really weird. But so in the American league, um, those are basically your teams that are still in it. Everybody else is probably pretty much buried. Um, in the national league, the NL East is going to be pretty interesting. The Mets, Phillies, and Braves are all right around. They were all buyers at the deadline. Washington was sellers despite only being six and a half games back. So they traded Scherzer and Turner and Schwarber. They kicked, uh, they threw in the towel, I should say. Um, so they I expect them to fall out of that race. Um, in the Central, the Brewers were big buyers um, picking up um, Eduardo Escobar. They're starting to run away with the NL Central a little bit. Cincinnati and St. Louis are hanging around, um, around 500. The Cubs, as we talked about, trading away four players, kicked the can. Um, they're done. They're giving up. Um, and in the NL West, it's continuing to be that three-team race, San Francisco, L.A., and San Diego. San Francisco's currently leading the way. Um, but it's looking like all three of those teams may make the playoffs but it's certainly no guarantee at this point. Um, Cincinnati is only four games behind the Dodgers right now for that second wild card. So it could happen that uh, one of those three doesn't make it, but it's looking somewhat likely that the Dodgers and Padres are playing in that one game playoff, um, which would be, that would be a fun game to watch. That would be a very fun game to watch, especially since the Padres have been buyers at the trade deadline for two years three years in a row, basically. Mm -hmm. And Tatis is injured now, which is going to hurt the Padres. So he might be done for the year. So yeah. it was a very wacky trade deadline. And we'll keep you informed in these playoff races as we go through August and everything comes into focus even a little bit better than it is now. Um, it's also NBA free agency time. And Kyle is going to fill us in on some of the major deals in NBA free agency. Yeah, lots of lots of big moves happening right now. Obviously, there's some there's some smaller ones. We're not going to cover a lot of those. Just just some of the really uh, key and important moves that some of these teams have made it or made. Uh, and in the for the Bulls, they're actually seem to be going in for it right now. Uh, they just signed Lonzo Ball from the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. They got him for four years, 85 million. They also went out and got DeMar DeRozan, who is a free agent for in San Antonio. They got locked him up three years, 85 million as well. Uh, they also brought in Alex Caruso, formerly of the Los Angeles Lakers and gave him a four year deal. So the, the bulls have a nice, a nice core that they've got, uh, going forward to pair up with Zach Levine there. Uh, I mentioned the Lakers a little bit already, a player who left, but they brought a bunch of people in. A lot of people on one- and two-year deals. Uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, is linking up to play with LeBron on, a, on an NBA team for the first time in their career. And Dwight Howard is making his trip back to uh, L.A. on a one-year deal, both of those one-year deals. Uh, our beloved Talon Horton Tucker uh, from the Cyclones, he got three years, $32 million from the Lakers, which – I thought was huge. And then one of the biggest moves uh, so far that the Lakers made, they went out and got Russell Westbrook. Um, now I wasn't exactly sure how that kind of lined up and what their plan was. Uh, Westbrook loves to have the ball in his hands and so does LeBron. Um, so we'll see if there's enough ball to go around on that court. 
but they traded Kyle Kuzma. They traded um, Montrez Harrell and gave up a couple draft picks as well in order to get uh, Westbrook in. The Miami Heat did a sign-and-trade deal with Kyle Lowry. Uh, they got him for three years, $90 million, and they are currently working on a max extension uh, for Jimmy Butler when his current contract ends on uh, at the end of this week. They are planning to extend him um, as well, keep them in Miami. They're signing a lot of other players that they had around. Uh, they brought in P.J. Tucker, who just won a championship in Milwaukee, uh, they're bringing back Duncan Robinson. So Miami seems to be all in and going for it. And they could be one of the top teams in the East next year. Uh, Steph Curry is the first player in NBA history to sign two 200 plus million dollar deals. Uh, he just signed a four year, $215 million extension to stay in uh, the Bay area with the Warriors uh, Chris Paul turned down a $44 million player option and turned that into a four-year, $120 million contract extension to stay in Phoenix, uh, part of the hashtag run it back tour uh, in Phoenix. And Kawhi Leonard turned down a player option. He will be a free agent now. Uh, there's a lot of rumors. Is he staying with the Clippers? He's also been linked to possibly going to Dallas uh, to look up with hook up with Luka Doncic out there. Uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, a couple news or a couple items from some other cyclones in the NBA. Uh, George Niang actually got two years, $6.7 million. He's going out to the Philadelphia 76ers and Abdel, Abdul Nader, sorry, uh, got two years, 42 or 4.2 million uh, from the Phoenix Suns. So there's plenty moving in NBA free agency as there always is. Um, we'll keep you informed on the 8311 cast as we go forward. But now we're going to keep you informed on the only thing that really matters. Baseball's savior, Willens Astadio. Um, uh, he's back with the Major League Club, as we reported last week. He appeared in five games since our last update. He actually hit 500 in those five games. He's been hitting well. He, that includes a home run and two three-hit games in that span. So he has brought his batting average um, up to 274. Um, he's now hitting 274, 274, 296, 425 is his uh, slash line. So he's actually doing, uh, doing decent again. So we'll keep up. We'll keep it up. He's played third base and first base since he's come back. No catching, but Willens Astadio still around. Um, so do you guys remember in the uh, height of COVID quarantine, when there was no sports going on, do you remember what we did for Mike's Stupid Rules segment? Is that when we went to like random sports? Yeah, so we talked about rules for obscure Olympic sports. That's correct. Well, with the I, I quick interjection actually, uh, that saved me last week in trivia uh, when they were asking about. Name the total distance ran for it was some Olympic thing that you would you had already talked about. I don't remember what it was now off the top of my head, but I do recall. Decathlon. Yeah, decathlon. It was like uh, add up the, the total distances for the running events in the decathlon and yeah. within 200. And what we did everything. I was like, wait a minute. They don't run a 1600. I remember because I thought that they did. And Mike said, no, they don't. So then we subtracted a couple hundred and we ended up getting the question right. And I was like, shout out to you, Mike. So our, our obscure Olympic sports trivia was awesome, and I'm glad that you have a, a redux to it. 
I do. I figure with the Olympics actually going on, um, which they have been, if you haven't noticed, um, they are going on. We should talk about it. There was actually a rules controversy um, brought to my attention via loyal listener Andy asked uh, asked Mike Stupid Rules to talk about um, what happened in a sand volleyball match between a Canadian team and a U.S. team. I don't know if either of you saw this at all. Basically what happened, third set, near the end of the third set, um, the U.S. hits a ball um, back towards the line. Um, it's originally ruled as out, um, called as out by the officials. In sand volleyball, you can challenge um, now at the Olympics. So the U.S. team challenges. The challenge um, is originally announced as being in, right? So the challenge overturns the call. The ball is in U.S. point. The Canadian team goes to talk to the official, and then the ruling is again switched back to out, which the U.S. team was not very happy about. Now, the official explanation, so the question that was originally asked by Andy was, can you challenge a play twice in um, sand volleyball or volleyball? The answer to that question is kind of. So, for example, one team, so, for example, um, you can challenge, one team could challenge an in-out call, and then based on the result of that, the other team could challenge a touch-no-touch call, if that matters, right? Like, if the ball is originally ruled in, the, the, the defending team challenges and it's now ruled out, the attacking team could then challenge a touch-no-touch ruling and still maybe get the point if it's then ruled a touch after it's out. So multiple challenges, yes, can be allowed, but multiple challenges of the same ruling, so of an in-out ruling, cannot be challenged multiple times, right? That just doesn't make sense. You looked at the replay wrong, so look at it again. That doesn't make sense. So the, the official explanation afterwards is that the public... Uh, address announcer slash scoreboard operator hit the wrong button, which awarded the point and announced the point for the U.S. And then when the Canadian team talked to the official, realized the mistake and gave the point back to the Canadian team. So there was not actually multiple challenges on the play. It was a malfunction that led to a miscommunication that led to an argument. And it just sort of rolled downhill from there. It's a bad look for the officiating crew for sure. But in the end, um, it was officiated correctly with just a very, very big whoopsies um, in the middle of it. I had out as the correct call watching that on replay. Neither of you have seen it, obviously, so I won't ask you for the call. But I had out as the correct call. It was really, really very close because the volleyball rule is that you have to touch the line. Remember, in baseball, it's on or over for fair foul, right? We talked about this about a month ago. In volleyball, it is the touch. The ball was definitely over the line, but I don't think it quite touched it. So I gave the officials a correct call there in the end, despite the controversy, the confusion, and the really bad luck. So there you go. There's what happened in that Olympic volley sand volleyball match, if anybody cares. I'm glad I know about that now. That's certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, man, I'd hate to be on that officiating crew. That's got to be embarrassing. Oh, yeah, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Also, can I just talk about one more ridiculous Olympic thing? Yeah. Did you know how three-on-three basketball is an Olympic sport this year? Which is fine. That's great. It was actually kind of fun to watch. But do you know how you're officially supposed to pronounce it? It's officially pronounced 3x3. No. You're supposed to pronounce it 3x3. It's what? Like, no. 
I, I will refuse to do that. Yeah, that. That is the official pronunciation is it's three X three basketball. The IOC, but you're wrong. Yeah. Pass. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off my chest because that's been bothering me for like a week since I, since I first heard that. So moving on from the Olympics to our competition here, just on the 8311 cast, where we talk about our predictions and whether we got them right or wrong. Um, we had two things come off the board this week. One I've actually missed for quite a while. I didn't realize I could take it off the board until today. So I apologize for leaving this on too long. But Kyle predicted that Rafael Nadal would win two Grand Slams this year. Um, Novak Djokovic has already won three of the four. It's hard for Nadal to win two when somebody else has won three and there's only one left. Uh, so for that, Kyle gets a nah, nah, nah. Um, I predicted that the Twins would trade at least two major league players before the trade deadline. They ended up trading four Cruz, Burrios, Hap, and Bobleys. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. And I will um, start us with putting predictions back on the board. I am predicting that no NFL games are forfeited because of COVID this year. For those of you who didn't hear, the NFL announced that if teams – um, have COVID outbreaks of unvaccinated players and can't play because of it, they will forfeit instead of being postponed. If it's a breakout of vaccinated players, they will try to reschedule. But if it's a breakout of unvaccinated players, they will forfeit the game. I'm predicting there will be no forfeits here because of COVID. I would tend to agree with you. I would also, and there's also been a couple players who have now gotten vaccinated because they felt forced by the NFL as well. Um, so I don't think there's going to be. I don't want to give it a single, though. Could, could we... I don't think it's single worthy. I, I think I, I kind of like a double here. I'm fine with a double. Wait, I will take a double for sure. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Uh, yes, he is still alive. I asked him if he wanted a prediction to put a prediction up on the board. He said he did not. I informed him of our new rule that not putting a prediction on the board is a strikeout. He said that is fine. So Josh strikes out this week. No prediction. Strikeout. All right. I will go ahead then and say that Iowa State football will have one shutout this season. One and mm. only one shutout. Exactly one shutout? Exactly one shutout. We're looking at you, Texas. No, I am not specifying which team gets shut out. Right. But I just want it to be Texas. Exactly one shutout. Exactly. Ooh, that's one. tough. This is probably a triple. I would say at least, yeah. Or a home run. It's really hard to shut somebody out in football. Let's be honest. Yeah. Have did the Cyclone the Cyclones didn't have a shutout last year, did they? No. No. But they had one the year before. Yes. It is really hard to hold the team to zero points. Triple? I'm between a triple and a home run for this. Same. Do we just that, flip a coin? What were you hoping for, Wyatt? I mean, I'm always hoping for a home run. <laughs> I think it could go either way. If I was in your shoes, I'd be like, ah, that stupid noise that I make. That huh. that would be. I'm willing to give you a home run for this, I think. Shutting out a team is hard. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the Big 12, where we don't play defense here. Especially when we can't even shut out Kansas on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Kansas, UNLV, and Northern Iowa as a shutout potential. And there's no way we're throwing out a shutout first game of the year. 
So right, because if we're up big, if we're up big, we're giving some of our some of our reserves a little playing time, and you think they're they might give up a few points. So while you think about it, since you mentioned Kansas and Texas within the same relative phrase, don't let Texas leaving the Big Twelve distract you from the fact that they lost to Kansas in twenty sixteen and almost that in twenty nineteen too. Exactly. Very close to losing to him in 2019. They had to get some favorable clock operation to avoid losing that game too. And and also don't don't let that distract you from the friendly reminder that Nichols State, that's right, Nichols State and Rice have better records against Kansas than Texas does since the Big 12 last realigned. <laughs> don't forget. I hate Texas. But, yes, we're giving you a home run. Home run, yeah. Appreciate it. What do we got, Kyle? Uh, Yeah, so since I failed on tennis before, you know, might as well give it another shot. Uh, My prediction is that Novak Djokovic is going to win the U.S. Open and complete the um, sweep of Grand Slam. But he missed the Golden Slam because he – He did miss the Golden Slam. Yeah, he missed the Golden Slam. Double, triple. Uh, is there a stat line out on this? You got some I, odds. I, I know how to play. Tennis. I mean, he's uh, I, here. He's the number one player in the world. We'll just say that. So he's going to be the number one overall seed. But when it comes to playing tennis, honestly, every single game it doesn't matter, or every single match it doesn't matter who the opponent is. You always have that since Djokovic, it's an individual sport. Djokovic is a minus one twenty five to win, which means he's a heavy, heavy favorite. Um, basically, it means you have to bet one hundred and twenty five dollars to win a hundred dollars on Novak Djokovic. This seems like a single to me. Then I don't know. I don't think that's a single. He. It's rumored that he had a back injury coming out of the Olympics that he probably shouldn't have ended up playing that. So I would say this is at least a double. I'd be okay with a double here. I don't think it's a. I mean, is it technically a single? Maybe, but like Kyle said, it's tennis, and I don't know anything about it. Other than and they, he has to play. He has to play six matches in order to win two. I do this under protest, but I will give you a double. (laughs) Okay, thanks. That should be technically I, I think you're right but i don't like that as a single i just, uh, I just don't like it minus 125 to win i don't know how much that that i don't know doesn't matter we gave it a double anyway we gave you a double that probably should have been a single too so yes it definitely should have been that's what i was hoping for yeah i don't like that as a single either i don't know i'm just not in the single single mood not in a single mood today. So two doubles and a home run and a strikeout, the first ever for our Write the Down Prediction segment. That means we have all our predictions up on the board, which means we're at the end of the Write That Dumb Prediction segment, which means, for the fourth time, this is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 137 of the 8311 cast. Be sure to check out our Instagram at 8311 cast, where we post cool pictures and other social media type things. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike White Tito. We'll talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.